Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. Well, if you're uh, just joining us today for the first time, we just want to say welcome especially, and we're just honored that you would decide to spend a couple hours with us in the morning on a Sunday. Um, We don't take that for granted. We are in um, a season of our church's life that is really exciting in Every year, at the end of the year, we end the year with a series of faith where we bring our anticipation and our expectation to God. We end the year with a series where we challenge ourselves to believe more, to step further into the purposes and the promises of God. We end the year every year bringing God an offering. On December 9th is our year-end offering Sunday, and that's an opportunity for us to express faith toward God. And I thank you for everything that he's done in the past, but, but a measure of faith for everything we're believing of him in the future. And we started this last year. And the last six weeks of the year last year were just incredible. They were electric, actually. And it wasn't because of the preaching and it wasn't because of the worship. It was because God was stirring and challenging us to step into new depths of faith. And as we did that, we had no idea what was about to happen. But, but God was blowing the doors wide open last year in this place. 2018, we believe that the, the word that God gave us for our church in this last year has been breakthrough. And we've seen story after story in the last year of God providing supernatural breakthrough in people's lives. God healing people, God restoring people, God freeing people, God releasing them from bondage. All of these things have been happening in this last year and we have believed that As we've been praying in the last few months, the Holy Spirit has just been saying, you know what, I've been breaking the ground in your lives and in your church. I've been turning up the soil and and I've been stirring things. And this season in 2019 is a season of planting. It's to plant deeper roots in our spiritual life and it's to be planted in relationship with the Father. And as we head into the next few weeks, our hope and our prayer for you is that that God would begin to stir a new measure of faith in your life, a faith to work in miraculous ways, a faith to provide for you in miraculous ways, a a faith that's stirred, that that ignites maybe a dormant passion spiritually, More than anything, God wants to revive your passion for him. He wants to bring spiritual renewal to your life. And so we're in this series called Planted. And as we get ready to bring this offering on December 9th, it's an offering for expansion and growth in the ministry that we have 
believe that we are called to and that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to in the years to come. We're planting the seeds in faith for what God wants to do in our future. We're planting seeds in faith for our building, that this building would be every square inch maximized for his purposes. We're sowing seeds into this. We're sowing seeds into our community, the work that we're doing in the different motels and the work we're doing with Project Share. We're sowing seeds. We're planting right now in this season, asking that God would take what we sow and what we plant and that he would do something supernatural with it. Last week, we talked about the verses that we just believe that God has led us to to talk about the season. And I, I just want to read a few of them. We're not going to go through the whole thing, but just a few of them again for you today to set the context of where we're going. It's from the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. If you have a Bible and you want to turn there, you can. Chapter 41 of the book of Isaiah. I just want to read these as a setup for where we're going today. I'm going to start in verse 17. When the poor and the needy, we talked about last week that that, well, that word poor doesn't mean economically poor. It means when those who are pressed under the weight of what's going on in life, when they're pressed under the weight of heavy burdens, when the poor and needy, the needy means those who are willing so those who are under heavy weight and are willing and are looking for water and there is none and their tongue is parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers on the bare heights and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, and the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, and the pine together that they may see and know, may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created this. God is giving Isaiah in those verses a, a prophetic picture, a glimpse of his character and his nature. He's saying, I'm the God who, who brings life where there's barrenness and, and life out of death. I, I actually am the God who can plant trees in the desert. I can cause things to spring up in your life that you thought were long gone. I can revive those things in your life that, that, that you just have written off and, and have thought that, that that season has passed, that I can do new things in your life. I, I actually want to, to bring new rivers on the plateaus, as he says to Isaiah. I want to carve out new channels for my grace, new rivers to bring life and nourishment and water. I want to do things in your life that you thought were impossible. This is what God is saying. This is my character and my nature. He's saying, don't get obsessed with what you see with your eyes because what you see with your eyes will trick you and deceive you into believing that somehow I, God, have a limitation and I have none. And so in your life and in my life, God's heart and his desire is to cause things to spring up 
in us that bring life and hope and fruitfulness. He's inviting us to a season to say, look, God, I may not see it on the outside. I might not be walking in a season where I see your activity and your work, but I'm going to begin to trust you. I'm going to plant seeds, God, so that you can cause things to grow and to spring up in my life. And that was what Isaiah was talking about. And as I was reflecting on that, I was reminded of another story that we're just going to cover today really briefly from the New Testament. Another story where God made something miraculous out of nothing. Where God took a situation that was completely hopeless and with the little bit that man planted as a seed did something miraculous. And you could turn with me to Luke chapter 5 in the New Testament. Luke chapter 5 Luke sets this scene, and this is one of the stories from the Gospels of the the call of the disciples. And just as a a context set up, scholars are are sort of 50-50 on whether all of the Gospel accounts are just uh, slightly different interpretations of the same event or whether there was a sequence happening. And I actually believe that my personal belief is that this story, this account that we're going to read in Luke is not the first time that Jesus had invited Peter and the gang to follow him. We read in the book of John chapter 1 that Jesus was walking by and the apostle John saw him and said, look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And and Peter and Andrew and the guys looked at Jesus and they said, hey, where are you going? Because we're going to We're going to follow you today. And then later on, Jesus comes along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these same guys, and he says, come follow me. I don't know what the exact timeline is and the exact sequence of events, but I believe that the story that we're about to read was possibly the third time within a few days or a few weeks that Jesus had approached these guys and said, are you ready to surrender your life to me? It says in Luke that Jesus had already been in Peter's house and Jesus had already healed Peter's mother-in-law. Peter had already heard about Jesus from the prophet John. So he had an awareness of who Jesus was. Jesus had already invited him to trust him and follow him, but there was something in Peter's life that kept pulling him back. He kept getting called back to his job, to his fishing job, to his boats, to his business, to his commerce, to his way to provide for his family. And so Jesus shows up on the scene again in Peter's life. And it says this on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the, way, by the lake. I don't know about you, but I was just, I've just been kind of stuck thinking about that scene there. So Jesus is in this season where everybody is clamoring for his attention. Everybody's pressing in on him to get something from him. He's in this season where I'm sure in this particular instance, all of the people were were asking him to heal them and to to do this and to to do that for them. And 
It says that they were pressing in on him. But in that moment of pressing, Jesus perceived an opportunity. That word in the original language for he saw two boats literally means to perceive. And so in the midst of this pressing, Jesus doesn't get overwhelmed by the need and he doesn't get overwhelmed by the crowd pressing in on him. But in the midst of the pressing, he perceives an opening to actually walk into an opening that God is providing to do something that only God can do. I don't know about your life, but when I feel like I'm getting pressed from every side, I start fixating on the voices, some of them in my head, (laughs) some of them not in my head, but I start fixating on all of the needs and on all of the lack and on all of the things that I'm missing and all of the inadequacies that I have. I start fixating on the pressing, but I, I, I take my eyes off and I fail to perceive an area that God has provided for me to walk in. And so Jesus sees these two boats And it says, he saw them by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. I love this story. These guys, these professional fishermen had been working all night tirelessly. They'd been working all night to no avail. They're on the beach in the morning. They're cleaning their nets. These particular nets were nets that were dropped. They had weights on the bottom. And so the net would would be the height of the water column that they were dropped in. And so the nets would collect seaweed and all, all kinds of stuff that they didn't want or need as they dragged it along the bottom of the shore. And so they're on the shore cleaning these nets, frustrated, demoralized, wondering how they're going to pay the bills that week or that day. And Jesus comes into this situation. He gets into this boat and he says, Hey, Peter, Would you put out into the water a little ways? That word for put out literally means to go back. Hey, Peter, would you be willing to go back to where you just were? Because I have something that I want to do in this situation, and I have something I want to do in your life. Would you be willing to just go back to where you just were? And I'm sure Peter in his head is going, I don't know. I don't know what he wants, but I guess if he just wants to preach and teach, then that's fine. He can do that. I'll go back with him for that if that's what he wants to use my boat for. And Jesus is setting up Peter for an incredible, incredibly personal provision in Peter's life. And so Peter puts out a little bit from shore and Jesus begins to teach. And what I love about this is that Jesus didn't hop into the boat and row himself out to teach He actually invited Peter to partner with him in the process of what he wanted to do. Jesus is in the business of inviting us to partner with him in what he wants to do in our life. All he's asking for is, would you lend me your boat? Would you give me what you have? 
Peter was probably looking at this boat and going, this no good for nothing boat, not helping me any, you know, like he's probably cursing the boat. It's not the boat's problem that he didn't catch any fish. But Jesus is just saying, look, Peter, I'll work with whatever you have. I'm not limited by what happened in your past, Peter. I'm not limited by what happened. This boat isn't limited. The only limitation on this boat is the one who's sitting in it. So Peter, how about we go back out together? Peter, would you lend me your boat? Would you give me yourself? Would you give me the things that I've given you? Would you surrender yourself to me, Peter? Would you just allow me to use what you've got? And so often we have this idea like, God, I'm not quite you know, spiritual enough, or I don't have the finances, God, or I don't have this, or I don't have that, and God, that boat hasn't caught anything for me. It's not producing anything in my life. That boat is useless. It's just a hunk of wood. And Jesus is saying, look, Peter, the issue isn't the boat. It's who's in the boat. And so the question is really simple. Would you just let me use what you've got? Would you just bring me what you've got in your life? Would you bring me the little bits that you have? Because I'm about to show you something. And so Jesus finishes his teaching and says, would you put out into the deep? And Simon Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. I just, I love this scene because there's this transition that happens. And things shift from Jesus just using what Peter's got to, to teach and to do his thing. And then Jesus takes this turn and he says, all right, now we're going back to what you were trying to do before. Would you go out a little bit deeper? And Peter, as an expert fisherman, would have known in his head it's useless to fish in the deep water during the day. Jesus, we were doing this at the optimal time. We know how to read the currents. We know how to read this lake. We've been doing this our whole lives and we got nothing. I'm sure everything in Peter was just stirring up going, Jesus, you don't understand. I've tried that. I've done that. I've been there. I've done that. Jesus, there's no fish there. We were there the whole night. And Jesus' invitation was simple. Hey, Peter, this is going to take some humility on your part. But let's go back to that place of frustration and fruitlessness because I'm in the boat now with you. And after a few seconds, Peter relents and he says, you know what? All of my wisdom says this is the wrong thing to do. But if you say so, then we'll do it. And there's this miraculous thing that happens. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. The words in the original language literally signify that these fish were significantly larger than the normal size of fish that would have been caught. And that word for breaking literally means tearing apart. 
under the weight of what God can do. Their nets were breaking. They were astonished that these fish who weren't there all night are now in their nets, so much so that they call in their friends and they have to get reinforcements. Their boats are sinking. And it says in verse 8, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. I wonder today, with wherever you're at in your life, I wonder today if maybe Jesus is just saying, hey, would you let me use your boat? Whatever you're walking in here with, whatever this season of life is, comes along with, Jesus is saying, look, I can work with whatever you have. That word for toiled, when Peter said we toiled all night, I just want to show you exactly what that word means because it has a powerful meaning. If we can just throw that up, Antonio. It's to do wearisome labor or labor to extreme fatigue. But the weight of this world is a word is on the second part of it, to be tired, grow weary, lose heart by being emotionally fatigued or discouraged. These fishermen were used to working all night. It wasn't that they were just tired and exhausted physically. They were emotionally exhausted. They were fatigued from the discouragement and the disappointment that they were facing. They were fatigued from trying and trying and trying and getting nowhere. And Peter is saying, look, God, I don't know if I can go any further with you. I've tried this. I'm at my end. I've been praying about this. I've been working as hard as I can. I've been fighting and fighting and fighting for this. And I don't have anything left to give. There's nothing left in the tank for me to give. And Jesus' invitation was really simple. Would you just let me use your boat? Because it's not about the boat. It's about who's in the boat. And it's about you just trusting me, Peter. You may not agree with what I'm asking you to do, but I'm asking you to obey. We may not agree intellectually with what God is inviting us to, but he's inviting us to trust him and obey, even in those seasons where it seems like nothing is going the way it should, where we've been toiling all night and still there's nothing in the morning. I'm going to show you a story that has to do with that very thing from a couple in our church and what God did this year in their lives. I think growing up, it was always just what you did. You got married, you had kids. That was the process. That's the way the world works. Um, we both grew up in huge families. We both have brothers and sisters. And um, so when you see the, the way that God is blessing other people with kids, um, it definitely just it resonates in your heart that that is that's the way that 
your life is supposed to play out. I was much more on the, the baby family train than Eric was. Um, but once we decided to start trying, um, we tried for about six years uh, to no avail. And um, yeah, and then that's when we started, you know, um, just praying about what does that look like? Um, okay, God, what do you want us to do? Are we meant to be a family? Are we meant to just be Eric and I and kind of exploring um, what our options were? So I think we were just driving around at one time, we were just having a conversation and she brought up the option of adoption. I was hesitant to, to even pursue it just because I, I always had the thought that if we were going to have a family, it was going to be our own kids and that's the only way it was going to be. So she had brought it up, she had mentioned it and I was like, oh, I just don't know if that's going to work for me. So it took me a while for me to say, okay, now it's time to, I'm ready to have, have, have the family, have a child. I think that part of the struggle um, was not having any control and um, just, yeah, not having any control. There was literally nothing we could do to quicken the process. Um, and so there were many Sundays when I would sit in church and just be like, okay, God, I'm praying for the same thing over and over and over again. And yeah, nothing was happening. And then trying to kind of look back and figure out, okay, what am I doing wrong that's causing nothing to happen? Um, and just realizing that that's not the way that God works. Um, and part of the breakthrough um, that was pretty frustrating for us was we were super happy that breakthrough was happening and, and it was happening for the church and we were seeing you know God work in so many other people's lives, but we were like, okay, when is our breakthrough happening? When is it gonna happen for us? Um, and just being okay with waiting. Andrew's message one Sunday was um, just really centered around um, giving up control and um, allowing the Holy Spirit to work through you and surrendering your heart. And so um, I knew that I just needed to let go um, and really at that moment um, be okay if it was just the two of us um, or be okay to continue waiting. So. That was the word that the Holy Spirit was doing um, within me. So I literally walked right up to the front. I walked right up to Cheryl and I just like, she just hugged me and she knew exactly um, what my struggle was uh, and where my heart was. And so she started praying um, over our situation. And um, she said to me in that prayer, she goes, um, she said, I know you're gonna be a mom. I was at work and um, Wednesdays are the day that they do um, what they call matching meetings. So all the workers get together and they match kids with parents. Um, so it was a Wednesday and 
uh, I had just sent an email to our worker uh, about something totally unrelated and then she calls me and she says, it's a good thing you sent the email because I needed to call you anyway. And immediately I started sobbing. The other girl in the office was worried. She didn't know what was going on. Um, I couldn't even get words out. It was such a relief and an overwhelming, like it's, it's finally here, it's finally happening. Um, so, I, I don't even really remember telling anyone at work. I remember getting in my car, driving straight to see Eric. I don't even think I said anything. I think I just started crying. And um, it was overwhelming joy, um, just knowing that we were at the end of the journey and that we would be able to um, soon meet our son. And the very next day, we went and we got to meet Julius, uh, who was an energetic two-year-old who jumped on the trampoline our entire first visit. Uh, but meeting him um, and looking at him and how much he looks like Eric, it in that moment, it was like, okay, God, this is the child you were preparing for us and the wait was worth it. Um, God specifically created Julius um, to be a part of our family. I think through our entire journey, um, God has taught me most of all um, to be patient, uh, to relinquish control. I want to leave you with the final scene of that story. These men have just taken in this catch from a place of nothingness to extravagant supply in the blink of an eye. The, the, that place they fished all night and saw nothing became a, a place of miraculous provision. But the focus of the story and the focus of this story is not on the provision. It's on our heart. So Jesus didn't instruct the disciples to take all of that stuff and go to the fish market and get top dollar for it and invest in their homes and in their cars. They didn't have them back then, but whatever. Uh, in that stuff, he said, hey, Peter, this is the biggest catch of your life the biggest you'll ever see. How about you leave that behind and come and follow me? Hey, Peter, I'm after your heart. I'm not after your boat. I'm not after the fish I just provided. I'm actually after your heart. Peter, do you believe me now that the, the stuff that you need isn't, aren't the things around you? It's not your skills and your gifts. It's not this boat we've been riding in. It's not the net that you're using. It's not those things. Peter, would you actually trust me and give me your heart? I was thinking about this the other day. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened with these fish. But just on principle, we know from the other times that Jesus did miraculous things, nothing went to waste. When he fed 4,000 and 5,000 and did all these things, never did something go to waste. I really don't believe that these fit 
fish sat and rotted on the beach. Someone else was the beneficiary of God's amazing, amazing supply. God's provision wasn't just for Peter to hold on to and go, man, I've hit the jackpot here. God's provision and Peter's partnering with him was to bless someone else. Someone else that day on that beach got a blessing that only God could provide. And Peter saw a glimpse into the heart and the nature and the character of God. A glimpse enough to say, Jesus, I'm leaving my boat. I'm leaving my nets. I'm leaving everything that I know. Because if I'm attached to you, if I'm walking beside you, that's where your presence is. And that's where your provision is. And that's where I will find everything I need for life. And our invitation today, your invitation today, my invitation today, is to say, Jesus, what do you need to do in here? Jesus, you can have my boat. You can have my strengths and my gifts, my business, my finances, my family. You can have it all. But Jesus, would you do something powerful in my heart? Would you show me that everything in my life is not about a possession, but a person? And that's you. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.